Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 114. I'm slightly better rested than last week. Good. Had a nice week off in between starting jobs. <laughs> Although major university is still out there. <laughs> you say that like it's stalking you. Well, <laughs> It almost feels like it at this point. It's uh, I had to do another uh, interview with them. If you listen to last week's show, yes, I'm in a job interview process, even though I've accepted a job, and, and right now I'm just sort of doing it to shut my parents the fuck up <laughs> and just to see if I can get through the thing. Mm. But uh, an interview with a, a major Boston University, and yeah, I had to do uh, a final Skype interview on Monday, and then it was one of those things on Tuesday, they said, oh, there's another candidate involved, so it may take a few days. And in my head immediately, it's like, oh, you, the minute they say another candidate. Say, Isn't that code for we've got somebody else, don't get your hopes up? Yeah, usually it's to let you down easy. Yeah. It's, you know, there's somebody else, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how that's supposed to let, let you down easy. There's somebody else, and they're better than you. Imagine if your girlfriend said that to you. <laughs> I'm sorry we have to uh, terminate our relationship with you. Uh, there's another guy, and he's better than you. <laughs> That's why I started drinking a long time ago. <laughs> so I, I put it out of my mind, and then on Wednesday, uh, yeah, the, the headhunter called me back and said, oh, they're going to make an offer. I'm like, all right, fine, great, and uh, I'll, I'll listen to it, but whatever, and then nothing. And then on Thursday, I get an email from major university saying, you have to fill out an application. And these online applications, I don't know if you've, have you ever had to do one, Amanda? I don't think so. It's, they're becoming more prevalent in tech, and every one of them is different, and they all suck. And there's all stuff that's already on your resume, so they already have it. And in fact, this one was the first thing you have to do is uh, attach your resume, but don't do it in PDF. <laughs> For the love of God. Yeah, no PDF. It'll screw everything up. Well, I use OpenOffice. I'm not paying Microsoft for fucking Word. The only thing I do <clears> in Word is my resume. It's not worth the money. So I had to copy and paste and format the stupid fucking thing. And then, yeah, fill in all this other information. And, of course, it takes your employment history right from the beginning. So I'm like, yeah, I don't think they really care about the fucking gig I had back in 1993. So I had to <laughs> readjust all this, spend an hour on it. Fine. It's submitted. And then 24 hours later, at 2.30 on a Friday, I get an email from Major University saying, we need five references. I've never had to give five references in my life. What is this, president? Are you going for president of Major University? I, I, I wish, because that money's probably pretty sweet compared <laughs> to what I imagine I'm going to get if this thing ever pays off. But I, mean, I had a moment of, I don't think I could name five people who would cross the street to piss down my throat if my heart was on fire, let alone vouch for me for Major University. I would, but it would be awkward. Just positioning alone. That's. <laughs> I don't think really you're into that. Uh, so. If my heart's on fire, call an ambulance. <laughs> don't be a hero, for God's sake. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't expose yourself, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth the jail time. No. And let's face it, whatever. <laughs> that's a purely chemical thing I've done to myself. <laughs> if that's what happens, don't don't take it upon yourself. <laughs> but anyway, five references. So five <laughs> references. Now I had two lined up. Now I got to find three people at two thirty on a Friday. Oh, and the deadline's twenty four hours. Like the people at Major University are sitting by the computer at fucking. Uh, no, it's all automated. So really, I've got two and a half hours to get it. I get it done. I find three people who are, who are at least willing to say to my face, "I will not sabotage your chances <laughs> at Major University." So it's still, this fucking thing's going on. I'm starting a new goddamn job tomorrow. 
and I will probably get an offer from major university tomorrow. <laughs> the timing on some of these things is baffling. Yeah. And yeah. So I tried to put all that shit out of my head and just have a relatively relaxing week. But yeah, that was the last two days of my vacation before the weekend was... It's not particularly was, relaxing. Yeah, flailing around like a spastic trying to you know get this thing done. It's a, you know I, I did the math in between programming exercises and interviews and shit on the phone and on Skype. I've already given these people like 15 hours of Jesus. free labor. <laughs> I'm done. The next time I hear, oh, and we need, it's going to be, yeah, lose my fucking number. <laughs> fuck major university and fuck you. <laughs> You didn't want to talk to me when I applied as a student. I think we can continue the relationship <laughs> if that's I'm how gonna it's going to be. I'm going to keep going my way. You keep going your way. <laughs> you just keep right on walking. <laughs> yes, but because of that, we hit the weekend. It's Because Thursday and Friday were busy, we hit the weekend. It's like, all right, it's... Uh, yeah, we'll do some stuff around the house. I hung shelves. You did. You were all like DIY guy. Yeah, so I'm in constant terrible pain now because <laughs> it's more physical activity than I'm used to. Even with power tools. <laughs> but yeah, it's, we kind of had in mind what this week's show was going to be about. We were going to talk a little bit about the DC logo change. We we're going to talk about Margot Robbie getting a Harley Quinn movie. We had a, a few, just, yeah. We'll keep it light, just a few things. And then we'll talk about a couple comics. And it'll be a nice, much more upbeat show than last week's stone bummer <laughs> of, of hate and depression. Death dirge. And. Yeah, <laughs> Deeply buried secrets coming Jesus. to light. Well, it's, this week will we be asking any asking you where something may have touched you on a doll? Like, I just want to brace myself. Uh, you won't be asking. I might demonstrate it. Oh God! Um, this this is radio, <laughs> so it'd be just be for for you and me. Take take a look at this. This look infected. <laughs> I've gone too far. You've gone too far. And but yes, it looks infected. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the plan. We'd just do a nice light show about a couple of things and uh, no bitching, no complaining, no screaming. It'd just be nice and light and fun. And then I went to, to let me just this morning, I got up at like seven. Let me take that a That was look. your first mistake. I know. I What can I say? I, I got up at 6.30. You know what I did? I went back to bed. You're much smarter than I am. <laughs> it's, it, had I done that. Cat uh, wasn't even up at that time. <laughs> Cat's smarter than both of us. <laughs> The cat's got a big bowl of food. He doesn't have to worry about major university or any of that shit. And he gets up and he goes, mew, and he gets a goddamn bowl of food. That's a grift. It really is. It's I a good really, grift. I really need to figure that I out. I get in on that. Next time my phone rings and I see major university, I'm going to go, Maybe they'll just send me a check. No, I think that's when they lose your number. <laughs> but th- that was the plan. But I'm like... Okay, let's let me go start putting together notes and prepare for the show, but let me just take a look at a couple of the comic news sites and see if there's anything new. I can't imagine on a Friday afternoon because I looked at some point like maybe early Friday or late Thursday, I forget, and there's nothing really new. Let me mm. just see uh, if there's anything and it's oh fuck. All right, I guess we got to talk about this. So, Rob, what did you discover on deepest darkest internet this morning? <laughs> or should I say bleeding coal? Well, <laughs> Bleeding Cool is not not deepest, darkest. And when I first saw it, it was like, okay, it's on Bleeding Cool. Maybe it's just a rumor. Maybe it's going to be bullshit. Please, God, let it be bullshit. Please be bullshit. Please and be bullshit. Apparently, it's it's not bullshit. Uh, it's been confirmed by a variety of, uh, of other uh, outfits. And I'm not going to talk about everything that came out. But apparently, last week, a few of the bigger comics news outlets were sent copies of DC Universe Rebirth Number 1, which comes out on Wednesday. Uh, there were some review copies. And they uh, were under embargo. They were not supposed to talk about yes. what they had. It was uh, They were sent out so they could put their reviews together ahead of time. But yeah, it was a strict embargo. Nobody can talk about it before Wednesday. Can't publish anything. 
But the problem is what happens with advanced review copies of uh, anything, be they comic books or Blu-rays or CDs or anything, uh, they got leaked to the internet. Yes. Uh, A user on Reddit took a few just cell phone camera photos of a bunch of the pages and posted them on Reddit along with a short blurb that contained four specific spoilers for the book. Mm. Now, that user has since deleted his or her account. I went looking for it. Um, but it's gone. Uh, and yeah, Rich Johnston from Bleeding Cool, he found the leak, grabbed and republished the photos on a Friday afternoon when all the lawyers will be gone. So <laughs> the photos are right as we, as we are speaking right now, probably still there. Might be gone Monday, might not be. Because it turns out after the story got out on Bleeding Cool, uh, DC lifted the embargo on a lot of the bigger outlets. So yeah, now there are stories about this on Comic Book Resources and IGN. But yeah, at at the time, uh, Rich used some of his sources to confirm that these spoilers... spoilers, (laughs) uh, By the way, we're going to be talking about spoilers (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we're going to spoil uh, at least one very specific plot point, uh, apparently, even though we were de- I was desperately hoping it was bullshit, but one specific plot point mm. of uh, DC Universe Rebirth number one. So, yeah, if you're just listening to this and haven't picked up the book and really don't want to be spoiled, just sort of leave us in your queue, come back to us on Wednesday or Thursday, everything will still probably be legit. So and, and a few other disclaimers. We did not get an advanced copy of the book. I have not read it. We all, are not, yeah. <laughs> all I have seen are the news stories and the, the couple of pages that were put up on Bleeding Cool. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's all that we know about it. So because of that, we weren't fucking embargoed on anything. Yeah. You know, DC Comics has talked to us exactly once. <laughs> <clears throat> and that was to cease and desist us. Because uh, we published advanced photos of art from before Watchmen, like four or five months before it came out. That's yeah. the only time DC has ever talked to us. So yeah, they we're, were nice about it. They were very polite. Yeah, yeah, they didn't threaten to sue. It was very much a come on, you know, you got to take it down. <laughs> and, and I, I looked at the screen and said, DC, talk to us. <laughs> so. <laughs> So we, of course, took them down, but because of that, yeah, we're not going to post the leaked pictures on our show notes. Life's too fucking short. I would love to have a chance to talk at length to Jeff Johns or Dan DiDio or Jim Lee, but I'd prefer the setting not be across the table at a deposition. Yeah. That's not how I want to have our first contact. And they wouldn't be at that. It would just be legal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We would need some highly priced, very talented lawyers to find a bullshit way to get Jeff Johnson for a depo yeah. because we posted a picture that we found on Reddit via Bleeding Cool. <laughs> I'm going to try it. Oh, no, I'm not. No. no. I, life's too short. Starting a new job. They need to think yeah. I don't have legal entanglements. Jesus. So, <laughs> although major university uh, does have a law department. Uh, fuck no. That. All right. <laughs> So, yeah, and frankly, look, we are unlikely to ever get favorable public relations attention from DC Comics. We are not a big operation like Comic Book Resources. No. We're not even as big an operation as Scrapbook Maniac Resources, if there is such a fucking thing. I think there might be. So I think it's on Instagram. (laughs) It's possible. We'll be hearing from their lawyers after this. It sounds like a Pinterest kind of thing, actually, the more I think about it. Either way, they'll sue us. And uh, so because of that, yes, we're going to talk at least about this particular spoiler. The other ones may come up. The plan is not to talk about three out of four of them. One of them I kind of expected, 
Another was a nice surprise, but not totally unexpected, given who's writing this particular issue. Mm. I, that shouldn't give too much away, I don't think. And another one didn't make any fucking sense to me, but what the hell, I just fucking work here and rant about There's a bunch books. of stuff. Like We're, we're going to deal with the one that, that Rob mainly wants to rant about. You'll understand why when we get to it, but then if we have time, I, I may hit some of the other ones because they're weird. Well, I mean, it's... Not a, weird. One of, them, one of them was totally expected given that Jeff Johns is writing it. But. Well, yes. And, you know, it, it is a spoiler, but it's also a crime against fucking God and humanity, so I think it needs to be addressed as <laughs> loudly and firmly and quickly The one that you want to talk fucking, about. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the other ones, fuck it. You want to bring them up later, that's fine. I'll, I'll just, just do the, the one... Wally West is back, like the Wally West from before the New 52. Yes, and we can talk about that in, in some detail later on. But if the, you would... the new Wally West also still exists. They're cousins. That's all. Yeah. So here's the part in my notes where I remind you once again. <laughs> massive spoilers, everyone. <laughs> all right, now let's get to, to Rob's rant, because he, he's been sitting with this and, and waiting to give birth to it all day. Literally, it says here, this is your last chance. Apparently, it was not. It was a little bit late on that. But yes. If you do not want to be spoiled on at least I said a, spoilers a second major plot point. Yes you, <laughs> yes, you did. I'm fucking with you. But yeah, yes, it, if you don't want to be spoiled on another major plot point of DC Universe Rebirth number one, yeah, come back to us later on the week after you've read it. Okay. <laughs> Here's the biggest bullshit part of the spoilers. <laughs> yes. Uh, according to, well, at this point, uh, this person on Reddit and Rich Johnston and Comic Book Resources and IGN and probably half of the rest of the comics internet. Within the realm of DC Universe Rebirth, mm. the uh, characters from Watchmen <laughs> are part of DC Universe direct continuity, at least mm. in this book, and Dr. Manhattan is responsible for the creation of the DC Universe after Flashpoint. We DC, everybody. Good. Top shelf work. So, so Rob, you're saying Dr. Manhattan is responsible for the new 52 and not... Dio. <laughs> Way to deflect blame, Dan. <laughs> I mean, that's what Dan desperately hopes <laughs> the message will be. <laughs> uh, so, again, we have not read this comic book yet, but no. not only has this plot point been brought up on all the major comics press, the one thing Bleeding Cool did have was one of the pages from the, the issue, and it was a splash page drawn, I believe, by Ethan Van Siver of Batman in the new Greg Capullo design costume holding the comedian's badge, including the bloodstain with the caption, we're being watched. Yeah. DC, everybody. DC. <laughs> and yes, apparently... The this is how, how you woke me up this morning, too, finally. <laughs> When Amanda finally got up and, and came uh, uh, shuffling across the, the home office to our actual office, I said, hey, Amanda, we got a show. And she said, why? What happened? And I showed her that picture, and she said, oh, no. Yeah, that, was, that was really all I could muster at that point. I hadn't even had any coffee. I was just... You just want to suck the joy out of everything. That's how you started my morning. And I, I felt stupid because I had our remote audio recorder sitting, rec recorder sitting right next to me. And it should have occurred to me she'd have some kind of reaction. I wish I'd taped it. It was just like, the, oh, no. Mine was similar. It was, oh, fuck. And then it was, no, fuck you. And I started taking notes. 
I want to get that like meme of that cat that can say no, 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 no. This one's close enough. Where's my whiskey funnel? Also, I started feeling. Uh, no whiskey, just fine. Berkshire Steel Rail Pale. Almost as if they pay for you to endorse them on I this show. I desperately want them to pay to endorse us on this show. If you're listening and you know anybody at Berkshire Brewing, send them a link for Christ's sake. I'll do it for free beer. It's good shit. It's becoming the official beer of this podcast. Pause for drink. Pause for drink. So yeah, you showed me this, and then and then I immediately panicked, and I don't know if this is in your notes, so I might be jumping ahead. But like, I, I just find this timing of 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 Watchmen showing up in Rebirth suspicious with Jeff Johns moving over to the movie side of DC because now he is going to be helping, <laughs> and yes. and. It makes me wonder if they're planning on... I know that the Watchmen movie didn't do great with anybody other than some comics fans, and even with some other comics fans, it was not well-received. Um, are they, are they? Do they have some designs that they haven't told us about yet where they're going to um, do before Watchmen shit in the movie world so that Zack Snyder can have shit to do that will keep him busy and away from the other DC movies? If it keeps Zack Snyder busy, it's not a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, but they were shitty. <laughs> it's uh, Look... If there was money in it, you know, they would have Bugs Bunny fisting Silk Spectre for four hours with an intermission. That might be an, an eventual issue of Future Quest. <laughs> we'll talk about Future Quest coming up. <laughs> but, Speaking of weird crossovers. Yes, but far more enjoyable than this one that we're apparently <laughs> talking about. So, yes, uh, the theory that's apparently being bandied about is that at the end of Before Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan, uh, number four, the final issue, uh, the universe that Dr. Manhattan created supposedly was the, the DC universe. Hmm. That's the, the theory that's going around. Now, back before we were a podcast site and we were a news and review site, uh, I reviewed that particular issue when it I came remember. out three years ago. You were uh, unhappy. Uh, the title of the review was Dr. Manhattan number four, The Cat is Dead. Because <laughs> uh, Schrodinger's cat was a yeah. big deal throughout the whole series and quantum theory. Right. And, um, yeah, here just, uh, I went back and looked at my review. Uh, so here are a couple of quotes from it. Uh, quote, to put it in plainer terms, Dr. Manhattan number four is fucking awful. <laughs> Uh, look at me, I'm dicking around with the established language of comic storytelling. Why? Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> um, I've got a few more for later, but the problem I had with the book, uh, I had many problems with it. It started out a little stronger than it wound up. But the problem I had with that particular issue is it relied on plot points from the Watchmen movie mm. that were never in the comic book. They had Manhattan teaming up with Ozymandias to work on a free energy solution. That was only in the movie. That was never yeah. part of the, the Watchmen comic book. You know, man, it, Manhattan's teleportation, that was only an inspiration for Ozymandias uh, that such a thing was possible. He never needed Manhattan. He never worked with Manhattan in the comic. Right. So there were big problems with that particular issue beyond the ending and the ending all it was written by J. Michael Straczynski yep uh, all he did was take Manhattan's line from Moore's original that uh, oh I'm interested in humans uh, human lives I might create some and then Straczynski had his ending be he just went off some he fucked off somewhere and just did that you know it's a, okay uh, it was Moore said it so I'm gonna do it 
I mean, it was it was like as imaginative as having the Joker kill the Waynes in the first Batman movie. It's, <laughs> it's how can we just crunch a bunch of shit together and and stick this pig and say I'm done with it and go back to uh, writing Twilight Zone comics? You know, there's a lot of things that that Straczynski has done well, um, but there's times where I wonder if we all wouldn't have been better off if he hadn't just walked in front of a bus at the end of Babylon Five. It's you know I'll put Rising Stars up against a and lot that, of things. Yeah, that was good. Midnight Nation, solid. A lot of his other comics work. Um, man, I miss Babylon Five. That was a good <laughs> fucking show. <laughs> but uh, I, I wanna I wanna read off my, the final paragraph from my review. Uh, and again, this is a review of a comic that will apparently now be used as the origin of every DC comic published in the last five fucking years. Until they have another crisis and reboot. Could happen sooner than you think. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, this is the last paragraph. Uh, Dr. Manhattan number four is simply a bad comic book. It presumes to add to Alan Moore's original conclusion, and yet it adds nothing really of any value beyond sucking out ambiguity and mystery. It hinges on a central conflict that has no basis in the original comic book and not only carries no weight because of it, but makes me suspect that Straczynski didn't even bother to reread Watchmen before embarking on this series or lying instead on the movie. And it relies on a gimmick that is meant to be profound and referencing of one of the original's main themes and images, but instead just makes the book hard to read and irritating. The creators are trying to create something worthy of the original Watchmen, but they tried too damn hard and whiffed it completely. Rather than adding to Watchmen, it all but fails it. I could write good back in the day. I must have been sober for that one. Full of sound and fury, but signifying nothing, bitch. Yeah. So, so this, <laughs> this is the basis for the DC Universe, everybody. Stop <laughs> shelf thinking. Actually, I kind of want you to go back and reread that entire monologue, but play the sad Hulk music underneath it. <laughs> Dr. Manhattan number five. I'm not going to This boggles my fucking mind. It's. Do you have any thoughts? I got a million thoughts. I got more notes on this thing than I've had for any fucking show we've done in the last six months. It, I'm ready to talk. Why don't I give you a chance? It feels like a, a cheap excuse to to bring the Watchmen property into the universe and, and put it in the sandbox to play with, despite the fact that before Watchmen pretty much sucked. <laughs> It's don't get me wrong. Before Watchmen had a few bright spots. They were right. The the Silk Spectre stuff was. <laughs> yeah, it's Silk Spectre. You know, look, you've got Darwin Cook writing a period piece in the '60s with art by Amanda Connor. Yeah. Uh, about one of the, one of the major characters from Watchmen, but really, you know, if you point a gun at somebody's head and say name three characters from Watchmen, Silk Spectre's not coming up. No, it's not going to be the first one out of anybody's mouth. No. So there was a little room to play there. And sort of outside the realm of of the main story, so that one worked for me. The um, and then there were some some moments with the art on what, what one did Darwin Cook do uh, art Minutemen. on Minutemen. Minutemen. I was going to say right. Minutemen. So no, again, right. he didn't write that one, but he did the art. Uh, yeah. So I mean, doing nineteen thirties, nineteen forties period art. You yeah. Know, yeah. It was a good looking book. There's this irony that they're bringing this. They're dropping this bombshell on us now that he is he has moved on. But I, it just, it feels cynical. It feels like an excuse to play with characters that they don't, they don't need to be playing with, that they didn't do a particularly good job playing with for the most part. It's definitely cynical. There's definitely, there's definitely an element in this of somebody saying, okay, Watchmen still sells. We can't kill Watchmen. 
Mm-hmm. We we did a movie that only the geeks like, and I like Watchmen. I got the director's cut. I yeah. watch it every now and again for for all the shit Zack Snyder takes, and he deserves a certain amount of shit for for that movie. There are problems with it, but I generally like it. Uh, but yeah, okay, the movie couldn't kill it. We did before Watchmen, and everybody just sort of treated it as a sad experiment. And believe me, nobody was running out to buy before Watchmen fucking hardcovers to go next to their. You know, ultimate edition or absolute edition Watchmen. Yeah, which I have. God damn it, you I do. love Watchmen. You do. That's why this shit drives me bullshit. But, but yeah, it's a okay. It's still selling. Uh, can we get that in? Maybe that'll bring people back for Rebirth. It's. I can also see a certain viewpoint of somebody saying, you know, the moments DC Comics started to become dark was because of Watchmen. So we can use the metaphor that Dr. Manhattan was the creation of dark DC comics. That also in no way holds up because no. you've got 20-something years of stories before the New 52, all of which were influenced in one way or another by Watchmen, as has almost every American comic book since 1987. Yeah, I was going to say, as though Frank Miller never happened, or yeah, you know, as, they, they didn't buy Wildstorm in the 90s. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, as Dark Knight 3 is in the process of coming out. So, but Derp. so I, I can sort of see that viewpoint, but it still it doesn't hold up because from a plot and story standpoint, this idea just fucking sucks. Mm. It doesn't make any sense within the realms and the rules of the DC multiverse. And this is where we go full geek on the fucking playground because I I did research, I had an hour worth of research going back through the Watchmen book and, and looking online. Watchmen has never ever been part of the DC multiverse. No, it's never. Yeah, even after Grant Morrison's Multiversity. Now, that came out after Before Watchmen, and Before Watchmen showed DC was clearly willing to pimp Watchmen out for some quick bucks. Mm -hmm. So that would have been the time to say, oh yeah, and it sort of exists over here in this corner. Yeah. Um, It's a, Watchmen was never part of it. Earth 4 was shown in Multiversity's uh, Pax Americana issue. Uh, and was clearly influenced by Watchmen, but it used the original Charlton characters, Blue right. Beetle and Question and Peacemaker, didn't use the pastiches. So that was where... That would have been... They would have had an opportunity there if they wanted to. Yeah, that would have been they could have, where they could have played around with Watchmen-style ideas with similar characters without getting their hands dirty fucking with the original. Right. You know, again, one of Time's 100 best novels of the 20th <laughs> century. There there were seven Earths that were intentionally left undefined in Multiversity. So yep. Watchmen could have happened there, I guess. But even if we accept that Manhattan and the rest of the, the characters from Watchmen... And by the way, it drives me bullshit. And I would... Everybody does it, and I may actually do it. It drives me bullshit when people say, ooh, the Watchmen. There was no group, the Watchmen. That was only in the fucking movie. Right. It's just the characters from Watchmen. And even then, I'll probably fuck it up even during this episode. But if we accept that those characters lived in either Earth 14 or 24 or 25 or 27 or 28 or 46 or 49. Yeah, I Googled them. (laughs) I don't fucking remember that off the top of my head. I know, you're selling it with a passion. (laughs) I know, but there's a reason I was beaten up on the playground, but not to within an inch of my life and was able to eventually kiss a girl. I'm still just kind of stuck on the idea that um, the New 52 is a result, possibly, of Dr. Manhattan um, atomically jacking off into a sock. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the New 52 universe. It's a, it's a sock full of radioactive sperm. 
A sock full of waste jizz. <laughs> DC, everybody. DC Universe. A sock full of waste jizz. Don't write that down. I'm title. not. We'll never get that past anybody. And don't worry, we'll get to that. It was actually a stream instead of a sock. I'll get to that. Jesus. I'll get to that. That's another reason this doesn't necessarily make any fucking sense. But even if you accept that the characters from Watchmen were on one of those Earths, he'd be living in a parallel dimension and not a good position to create 51 other worlds around him. And even before the new 52, but when the multiverse was recreated at the end of 52, the weekly series, mm. uh, Watchmen wasn't part of the multiverse there. Again, Earth 4 was listed as being a noir-type world with elements of Watchmen, but it was still populated by the Charlton characters. Right. It was the Charlton universe. That was, I think, probably my favorite part of Multiversity, honestly. It's, it was a good issue. It's a, you can take ideas from Watchmen, apply them to the original characters that the Watchmen characters came from, yeah. and have a completely acceptable story that stands on its own, clearly references Watchmen without fucking with Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they've been doing it for years. The first appearance of Rorschach outside of Watchmen that was not one of the DC Heroes games was in The Question. And it was just, a, it was uh, Vic Sage had read Watchmen somehow. Because <laughs> again, Watchmen wasn't part of the DC universe, so he could get his hands on it. It would make sense that he would read the book. And he dreamed about Rorschach. So, <laughs> so yeah, you could do it. Why are you going to fuck Watchmen, man? Why are you going to do it? Because sites like us are now going to spend an inordinate amount of time talking about why the fuck are they doing this, and that's clicks. Uh, I guess. <laughs> but but it, it still comes down to, I'm still in full geek mode here of how this could even be a thing. And and the larger piece, where's Ambush Bug in all of this? God damn right. This should be Ambush Bug's fault. <laughs> Dan DeDio likes nothing better than to smack Keith Giffen about the head and neck. <laughs> Say it's ambush bug's fault. Get in the office and write it, Giffen. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's let's assume that DeDio and Bob Harris and everybody decided that Watchmen was never part of the DC universe at all, but somehow operated outside the multiverse, outside the bleed, beyond the sphere of the gods, past the source wall. Okay, fine. <laughs> but then where did this happen from? I mean, Watchmen characters, they're alternate versions of Charlton characters, but Charlton never had a multiverse. If they did, the DC Universe might as well have been created by the fucking $6 million man. <laughs> so, so where does Watchmen exist in the multiverse where Dr. Manhattan would be able to throw the multiverse? To, to use Warren Ellis's old, uh, a god had to throw this world. Um, from the authority. I read too many comic books. Well, it has recently come to my attention that um, as seen in uh, the Matt Smith version of Doctor Who, cracks in the universe are actually a thing, apparently. They are an actual um, astronomic like phenomenon. So maybe Manhattan just got lucky when he lobbed his goo out into space and it found its way through one of those cracks and it 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 gooped into this new, not new 52. So this is Amanda's definition <laughs> of the DC universe. For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> Number one, you're getting your astronomy news from fucking Doctor Who? Really? No, no, I saw, I saw a PowerPoint presentation about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> 
One it time cracks. I got drunk and did a PowerPoint presentation about my nuts. That doesn't mean <laughs> it's fucking news. Because <laughs> believe me, there were no new developments vis-a-vis my scrotum when I did it. I was just shit-faced and bored. How were those nuts? These nuts were fine. <laughs> there was a, that was the final slide. A-OK, stay the course, buddy. Now put your hands together <laughs> for the man who's falling apart before our eyes. All right, so, I mean, can you think of anything within the scope of the DC universe, and I will grant you, I'm sure you have not looked at the Guide to Multiversity or even Googled it the way I have in the last 12 hours. No, I was doing other stuff today. Yeah. <laughs> Laundry. Um, <laughs> I mean, I got a job to prepare for. I'm wasting my time on this I needed stuff. underwear. Um, so... I honestly don't know. It's it's the the unless they're planning on breaking the fourth wall or something, and you know, so the writer says, and and so it is. I don't. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way it, it could work. It, it's got to be yeah, the the hand of God above Doctor Manhattan. Because okay, if it does not happen within the real scope of the DC multiversity, next question is when did this happen? Yeah, because Watchmen took place in 1985. Yeah, and even within the scope of of this fuckery, um, they're saying (laughs) Wally West is trying to make his case to anybody who will listen, spoilers, um, that uh, he existed, and please remember him, and somebody out there has fucked around with things, and we've lost 10 years of time. Yes. And and that's (laughs) that's still not enough time. (laughs) And even that's a fucking problem. Yeah. Because, all right, let's go back to 1985 for a second. If we assume 1985 is a constant Mm-hmm. And 1985 is 1985, no matter where you are. Then Doctor Manhattan would had to have created, would had to have sock gooped the DC universe. <laughs> sock gooped might be a title. Sock gooping the DC universe. Can they get past iTunes? <laughs> the goop is okay. There are many types of goop. Not on this show, but in the world, there are many types of goop. Thinking so... about Gwyneth Paltrow's website a whole different way now. <laughs> I don't think of it at all. But all right, so if 1985 is a constant, then Dr. Manhattan would have to have created the post-crisis DCU, not the new 52, because that's prime time for crisis. That was 1986. And you could make the argument, like I said, that every DC comic after 1986-87 was kind of created by Watchmen in the sense that it was influenced and god knows alan moore he'll be more than happy to claim that every good idea at dc since 1986 fucking came from him yeah his big thing is the blackest night one time he referenced an event in in one green lantern court comic in 1983 or 1984 oh there will be an event called the blackest night no other fucking detail just there'll be an event <laughs> and now he claims all of like 2008's dc comics <laughs> output so oh, it was all my idea all right so Alan Moore will be happy to say it was all his idea, but the problem is, from a storytelling standpoint, the post-crisis universe was not created. It was collapsed from an existing multiverse that began in 1938 with Action Comics number one. Right. And that's what bothers me about this whole, oh, somehow we've lost 10 years. Somehow time's been fucked with. You could just say, oh, well, Dr. Manhattan started it at some other time, but you can't. Because one of Dr. Manhattan's defining characteristics is that he can see all time at once. And he's a fucking slave to it. Yeah. He's a guy with no free will. He sees everything happening all at once. But that's just it. He can only see all of time at once. I mean, only. I mean, it would drive everybody else mad. It's not that he can... His his power doesn't necessarily extend to 
other dimensions per se. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be an addition to the power that he has to make him extra dimensional. Yeah. There Thank really you. is extra dimensional because there there are the four dimensions. So yes, he can he exists through all of time. Um, and and he can construct things that deals with dimensions one, two, and three. Um, for those of you out there, length, width, depth, um, height. <laughs> <laughs> that, that those were exactly the dimensions I went into in my PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> I'm well I'm well aware of them, and they make me sad and deficient. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. I'm not going to make the Irish joke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. But uh, there, there's nothing about like you know mysterious d- dimension number five or dimension number six or you know Bubba's dimension or like you know like yeah once you get to the ninth you're dealing with Mister Mixelplick or however you fucking pronounce it <laughs> yeah what kind of parents would name their kid that <laughs> so so there's there's as as weird as um, the the ideas posited in Watchmen are as related to Doctor Manhattan. It's still, in theory, within the realm of accepted quantum physics. <laughs> yeah, it's what's accepted is he can do anything within the first three dimensions. He yeah. can create matter. He can reassemble it, uh, very much like Firestorm-type powers. Yeah. But he is an absolute slave to the fourth, and it, it happens over and over again in the original Watchmen. It's... I don't have free will. I've already seen this happen. This is where I do this and you do this. And in a moment, I'm going to be shocked because you're going to tell me, Lori, that you've been sleeping with Dan Dryberg. And then it happens and he's shocked. And he has absolutely no interest in anything that's going on because to him, it's all happening at once. And free will is an illusion. Yeah. So to be a slave to time and then have it be, oh no, and he also made 10 years go away and somehow created the... 2011 New 52 DC Universe from 1985 doesn't ring true at all. No, even even if you're saying it's all happening at once so that 85 and 2011 can happen at the same point because he transcends these planes, it still doesn't change the fact that they, they picked the finite set of 10 years. <laughs> right. And it's uh, the 10 years only brings you back to, uh, let's see, that's 2005. That's shit. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. The 10 years, you know what that brings you back to? Oh. Identity crisis. That's where the whole, oh, and that's when DC Comics became dark. And- well, there's a lot of stuff that I think they're trying to do in here, and that's part of it. Um, oh, that's when DC dar- became dark. No, it wasn't. It's like they didn't read anything from like the 90s. But anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Or yeah. the 80s. Or... You, you don't get Azrael as Batman because everybody's loving the fun-loving <laughs> Batman nope. and Robin. No man's land. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um, but there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, here's some other minor spoilers. Uh, Pandora, who was the herald of the New 52, uh, will be brutally killed, probably by Dr. Manhattan, as if to make a statement, yeah, we heard you, zap. Oh. Um <laughs> That was one of the cooler things about the New 52, that whole mystery of who is the woman. And they, yeah. they fucked it up. Oh, yeah. They botched it. You know, <laughs> by, by the end of Trinity's Sin, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's just pretend I didn't hunt through every one of the first 52 issues looking for this woman. Like fucking Waldo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd have been better off looking for Waldo. Yeah. Just looking at a children's Carmen book. Carmen San Diego. <laughs> looking at a children's book or old CD-ROM, just cackling <laughs> away, naked, drunk. <laughs> Just working on my fucking PowerPoint presentation. They got my dick message. 
Rob calls that Wednesday around here. <laughs> um, I'll be stressed from the new job. I might start out Tuesday <laughs> this week. Um, so we got that going on. And then, you know, to confuse matters further, we're going to have two Blue Beetles. So those of you that missed Ted Cord, he's coming back, but Jamie Reyes is still going to be around. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. No, I'm just I'm just putting some other things on, on the table. There's all right, we'll be, spoil it all. Fuck it, do it. Yeah, um, I mentioned the Wally thing. Uh, there's Doctor Fate is coming back. Um, and in the New Fifty Two, Doctor Fate was only on Earth too, so it'll be interesting to see how that's resolved. Yeah, but I read a couple of the the issues of the New uh, Doctor Fate. I didn't realize that was Earth two. I only read one yeah, or two, and it it's supposed to be Earth two. Okay. Somewhere in, um, I think it was Final Crisis or Dark Side, Dark Side Wars, um, Batman heard the answer to a question, and now apparently there, uh, oh, yeah. there are a, three Jokers running around. Yeah. It's, I think we talked about that first issue of Dark Side War, because it was, uh, the question was when he got Metron's chair, he yeah. said, what's the Joker's real name? Yeah. And he said, that's not possible. So it must have been he heard three names. Uh, apparently, the whole three Jokers thing, uh, I don't. I don't get it, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, look, if if we're talking 52 Earths, technically there could be 52 Jokers. So how they execute that yeah. is fine with me. We'll see how that goes. That must mean there's the one slightly lovable psychotic one that Harley likes, and then the other two who are complete dicks. <laughs> <laughs> and then Aquaman, Dan you Abnett. Damn fool! You're more useless than Aquaman. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, Dan Abnett at some point lets slip that. Um, as far as he was concerned, Aquaman and Mara were together as a married couple. Right, which I always sort of took for granted. But there had been, and I think I wrote about this on our website at some point, there, there was this whole push, and it happened with Marvel too, where all of a sudden the big two decided that married couples were not interesting or a liability or it somehow like cramped the story so you couldn't have people. It, so <laughs> Weirdly, uh, and I, I just read this online today, uh, and it was a, a quote from Peter David when he was doing The Hulk back in the 80s when he had just started his run. Hmm. Now, granted, the 80s were a different environment for comics than now. You could still get comics at, in spinner racks at the supermarket mm-hmm. and uh, drugstores and whatnot. But he's he was sort of stuck with this plot point that was dropped on him that uh, not only were uh, Bruce and... Uh, Betty? Betty, thank you. <laughs> All I can think of was Becky. I'm like, who the fuck is Becky? But, <laughs> uh, married, but she was pregnant. And Peter David almost left the book because he didn't want to write a, a family. Gamma baby. <laughs> Gamma monkey baby. <laughs> <laughs> but his theory was kids who read comics don't want to read about a family because... They want to read about what they imagine themselves to be. They don't want to read about mom and dad. Mm. You know, it's one thing if they're married, you can kind of see that. But once it's a family, it's I don't want to read about mom and dad. I want to read about who I wish I was. And I don't want to be mom and dad. They give me shit. (laughs) So I can understand that. But again, comics were very different in 1987, 1988. Why there was such um, a backlash when it was announced that this was the direction that the big two were going in. Right. Because this was right around, they decided that, oh, no, Batwoman not getting married. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we're Peter Parker not married to MJ. <laughs> like, nobody could be married. And they made, you know, great pains with when Superman came back that he wasn't with Lois. It was <laughs> Right. And it's uh, the problem is that, uh, that kind of 
thinking absolutely makes sense if kids are going to pick up their comics for 75 cents at the spinner rack. Yeah, but the demographic has shifted. You and I are reading comics. <laughs> exactly, and it's a horrible sign for the future of comics, but when I go to our local comic store, it's when I see kids in there, they're looking for action figures, and they're looking for cards, and they're looking for, they don't buy too many comics. I suppose when I'm like... 65 or something i'm going to be reading storylines presumably about how wonder woman needs estrogen because you know she's going through a bad patch and she's getting the hot flashes <laughs> no you, you'll be getting your superhero fix on the dcw there will be nothing but superheroes all day long and you won't be able to buy a comic book for any fucking price or it'll all be digital indie comics yeah. and just you know like robert kirkman made his own invincible universe yeah it'll be all indie stuff <laughs> So, in any event... I don't want to sound pessimistic about the future of comics, but with what DC's doing, I ain't feeling optimistic. Aquaman uh, proposes to Mera um, in in Rebirth number one. So, is that a red herring? Um, Not using a fish pun there to be punny. I just... I would have let that slide and not even I just, as I was saying, I'm like, I'm going to... Herring, that's a fish. Um, Yeah, yeah. You know, is... Is there a possibility for the two of them to get together as a married couple? Will this be spoiled in some fashion to continue that bullshit non-marriage thing? And I say this as someone who doesn't want the courts involved in my lovely relationship with you. I'm perfectly happy to just be with you. Hi, hi folks out in the world. Now you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but I, I, as, as... I can return the ring! <laughs> That's my Harley! Anyway, go ahead. Jesus. <laughs> Um, but as as somebody who appreciates appreciates creative choices, to to put those sorts of restrictions on on writers, I just think that's bullshit. So the thing that- is, they also <laughs> seem to be going backwards on it, almost whole hog. Because apparently, one of the other spoilers we haven't gotten into is we will have Green Arrow yeah. finally meeting Black Canary and feeling a spark, but not understanding why. Clearly, going back to their pre pre flashpoint relationship. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and. I'm all for that. Again, I, I'm not 12 years old. I'm perfectly happy to read about married people with kids. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hopeful in, in some uh, respects with this, but on the other hand, it just, again, I, I have discussed repeatedly my level of event fit, fatigue. Like, it just, <laughs> can't we just tell some stories and and not feel like we need to get caught up? This is like the, the what, fifth reboot? <laughs> For DC, uh, let's see. It, it's really their their third full reboot, I think. Even though yeah. they, they're saying it's not a reboot, but uh, yeah, look, if you're bringing all these old characters back, and, and even if char- in even some characters who Convergence wasn't supposed to be a reboot, and yet we're going to see um, the the Clark who is married to Lois with a son named Jonathan. We've actually already seen him. We saw him in last week's Action Comics. That's although right. They didn't say who he was. Oh, and uh, spoiler. Superman is going to die. Good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that's why this particular they're, they're bringing this in because there's going to be a an event probably with Doomsday or some shit um that's going to leave our Superman dead. What's been going on now okay. and he's beginning to to lose control. I, I don't think Doomsday is a piece of it, but uh, I I'm not I don't Lois read... and that Clark reference Doomsday in one of the panels. Yeah, so. I don't I don't read the main Superman title uh, at this point and uh, yeah, Superman Wonder Woman uh, that's sort of in your polls uh, purely because as we've said on this show before, the owner of our local comic store is an opportunist. And if you say <laughs> I would like to have Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. If Wonder Woman's in the title, he'll get it for you. Yeah. And I don't have the I 
I love our local comic store. I don't have the heart unless a book becomes egregious to say, yeah, take this one off. Yeah, so I've been I've been tolerating the the bullshit fanfic shipping um in that book. That's half so. away. <laughs> that's that's half why I need a new job because <laughs> back in the day I said Avengers and now I'm going bankrupt with all the fucking <laughs> Avengers books I have to fucking pay for. Yeah. There's some directions that sound promising, but it's all just caught up in the the nasty miasma of we're having Watchmen needlessly and just shoehorned, inflicted upon us. Yeah, as a as a money grabbing opportunist nonsense. Well, <laughs> I, I think what's going to happen is as time goes on. The phrase New 52 might be as loaded to comic fans as Spider Clone <laughs> or something like that. It's, it was a five-year experiment that ultimately failed. And yeah, you can, you can say legitimately, it's like, I have event fatigue. This needs major surgery of some type or another. And it's, uh, I'll get into my hopes for DC Rebirth versus what I'm now feeling with this new news about bringing Watchmen into it for no fucking reason at all. But yeah, it's something needed to be done, something radical. It didn't work. So I'm okay. Make it a big event somehow. Yeah. And fix it. <laughs> fix it. Fix it. I don't care how. Oh, I say I don't care how. Clearly, I care how. Keep Watchmen out of it. Yeah. But, so. Well, the other the other thing too is uh, people are discussing the imagery at the end of Titans Hunt, where there's this storm coming, and it's all like lightning and shit. And then the the promo art for Rebirth has been all of the major player characters from the DC universe going up towards this wall of lightning, and how it's related to the sort of lightning in the hands of Doctor Manhattan in those before Watchmen panels. Uh, kind of, but no, that's that's going to be Wally coming back because they made yeah. a big deal in Titans Hunt. What was it, Titans Hunt Eight this week? Yeah, uh, they made a big deal about uh, oh, the numbers are wrong. They said there were this many, but there's really this many. Right. So uh, to me, that's just clearly a wink and a nod. To look, you're talking about lightning and a flash. Of I think, course, I think it's Wally coming back. No, and I don't disagree, but I'm just saying that a lot has been made about the imagery. Well, and and certainly the the imagery is there, and that's also part of the problem I have. To bring it back to my Watchmen bitching, but mm-hmm. <laughs> just really all—it's all I got right now. That's it's okay. It's all right. You you run with this, baby. It's... Okay, um, I'm lost. Uh, I'm angry, and I'm armed. So, <laughs> all right. So, if Doctor Manhattan is the impetus, the creator of, at the very least, the New Fifty Two universe, if not based on the timing, almost he would have to be the creator of the post-crisis universe. Mm. If you look at what happens in Doctor Manhattan number four, we see Manhattan off on. He's not floating in space saying "Let there be light." He's on a planet. He's scooping up a pile of dirt, and yeah, he spits on it or rubs it on his blue sack or whatever the fuck he does. To and he he is doing something to the biology of the molecules on that planet to create human life. Okay. How the fuck does that become universe building? I mean, it's, it reminds me in retrospect, and I forget how the timing on the movie came out, but uh, Prometheus, some dude yeah. lands on a planet and in that case sacrifices himself and humanity rises because of it. But that's not universe building. That doesn't create... No, that's potentially water pollution. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is his big dangly blue wang, so yeah, probably. <laughs> but 
Yeah, there would. If he built a universe, there would need to be some kind of intervening event where Manhattan becomes powerful enough to, yeah, create universes instead of just jacking off into a fistful of dirt and saying, uh, my people worship me. Does he collide with the speed force? Uh, does he bone the speed force? Who knows? I don't know. But it's, yeah, how we get to universes from this single event of I'm going to create human life that was just the most unimaginative ending of the before Watchmen Dr. Manhattan series of really Straczynski that you're going to, after all this, your big revelation is, Oh, that thing he said he was going to do. He's just, yeah, he went and did that. See, that's (laughs) what he did. I don't, I don't get how he's got no free will. He said he was going to do it, so let's go watch him do it. Yeah, well, believe me, if he had free will, he wouldn't be in fucking DC Universe Rebirth number one. <laughs> the best, one of the best novels of the 20th century. But yeah, let, let me let me sell some Bizarro comics. <laughs> sure. I mean, and and that also, but okay, so we don't know where it happened. The, the next question is why? Why would this happen? Like I said, Manhattan is ultimately shown as passive, particularly in Moore's original. Straczynski tried to fuck with it and show, oh, no, he's a control freak. Mm -hmm. But no, he's passive. Number one, he's a slave to time once he becomes Dr. Manhattan. He sees everything happening at once, so he's got no free will. He literally just goes with the flow. Now, like I said, in Before Watchmen, Straczynski fucks with it, and he tries to, yeah, make him a control freak, and oh, all I can think about is watches. He almost puts him on the autism spectrum. Yeah. Which is now the thing to do. Tired trope. But, and to be fair, before I talk too much further about Before Watchmen, I didn't reread the Dr. Manhattan books. Well, why would you do that to yourself? Uh, (laughs) I feel good about me, and... Mm. uh, (laughs) Well, number one, they're in storage. <laughs> I wasn't going to drive across town and hunt for them. But yeah, I didn't like them enough to, to go pay money to get the trade over right. at the comic store today. So I'm going by memory. And yeah, I wrote reviews of the first issue and the last issue. And it, yeah, if you go to our homepage, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com, go to the search box at the bottom of the page. The CSS is fucked up. If you type in it, you can't see it. But trust me, it's working. <laughs> search for Dr. Manhattan and you, you can find them. But Part of what I hated about that series, Straczynski's series, was fucking around with Manhattan's character and Osterman's character. Yeah, in the in the original, Osterman kind of let himself get pushed around. Mm. Yeah, his dad pushed him away from watchmaking into nuclear physics. He wound up in with Janie Slater because yeah, they uh, they missed a train on Cody Island, and hey, she was into him, and they had a hotel room. So okay, why not fuck her? <laughs> she came on to him. Why not? That's, yep. But yeah, it's making Osterman a control freak. It's not supported by the original work. It always pissed me off about that. Right. Moore's Manhattan might well create human life and then just sort of sit there and see what happens. Yeah. Because that's the kind of character Dr. Manhattan was. He's in the middle of a riot. I'll just send everybody home. It's Armageddon's coming. It's fucking nuclear Armageddon. It's the end of the human... Ra- I will go to Mars. <laughs> I will go to Mars and look at a picture and mope. Yeah, path of least resistance. Yeah, Uh, the one action sort of in quotes he takes is when it looks like uh, Ozymandias' plot is going to unravel, he kills Rorschach, but even then he lets Rorschach's journal sit at the New Frontiersman to maybe be discovered and end the fucking world again. Yeah. Now, it it takes Straczynski's Manhattan to create a universe and then start to intervene, and that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's contrary to the character. Um Life is stuff that just is supposed to happen to Manhattan because he's accepted that 
everything that has happened will happen, and that's time. Oh, at, at one point in the book, when in the original Watchmen, when he's still Osterman, he says, oh, my dad sort of pushed me into this. This kind of thing just sort of seems to happen to me. He, he's just sort of going with, all right, what am I supposed to do next? Okay. Yeah. That's just the kind of character he is. And I can see that character saying, yeah, give me what amounts to a bowl of sea monkeys that I can watch that I don't have to intervene with. And that sounds awesome. I'll just watch the clockwork go, you know, I'll wind it and let it go and see what happens to then get involved. I can't seem. see it. Yeah. Sea monkeys. Uh, they were a big rip off. I, I sent away for some. They tasted delicious. They didn't taste like anything. They're, they're bitty. <laughs> And and they were supposed to like frolic and be merry and and they were just tiny and you couldn't really see them through the magnifying things in the. I'm digressing, aren't I? You are, but <laughs> I needed to puff off my cigarette, so that's fine. <laughs> Take your time. No, no, that's really all I had to say. Sea monkeys—they're a ripoff. Don't don't get them. They're actually brine shrimp. They're not monkeys at all. Now that's just cruel. It's true. <laughs> this is the worst tangent. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is- We've lost the thread completely. No, but I just, I don't see where Manhattan would do anything, the real Manhattan, not the the Straczynski one that he's fucked up. Um, Yeah. uh, I I don't see where Dr. Manhattan would do anything other than, yeah, just watch life. And even that, if you can already see all of time, then you know what your creation is going to do. You're going to get fucking bored. You're going to go do something else. (laughs) Look, I, I can kind of foresee how you sort of get around it. Because the one thing in Watchmen was his vision of time would be interfered with when there was a flow of tachyons. Uh, his vision was be, would be clouded because uh, at one point on Mars where Laurie's asking him what's going to happen, he says, well, I can't tell. There's a tachyon burst that's clouding my vision. That would be consistent with a nuclear apocalypse. Mm. And he still, he was fucking okay with that until Laurie finally convinced him human life was a thermodynamic miracle. So what I can see is, okay, Kid Flash coming back and flashes operating at various times in this universe he, he created, mm. you know, throwing tachyon field somehow. Oh, it's interrupting my vision. I need to get involved and see what's happening. But that's about as far that's as I as can see That's as far as you would go, yeah. You know, and but yeah, I mean, if that was the case, that it's flashes operating, even if it's just, oh, kid flash, now there's new tachyons. You know, we've had like 45 crises and a rebirth and a fucking flashpoint of flashes fucking running around like spastics. Why does he wait until now that suddenly this tachyon burst is the one that's a goddammit, I can't truck with this anymore. I need to roll up my sleeve. Oh, wait, I'm naked. I have no sleeves, but let me go in there and it's, it, it just it doesn't ring true to me. And yeah. How much tachyon needs to get like kicked up? Because otherwise he's, you know stepping in to intervene at every, at every like dirty scud that goes off in the, in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the scuds don't throw tachyons. It's a, you, you need serious, serious bullshit. It's the same way a scud, the scud can barely boil a potato. Let alone throw an emp, <laughs> an EMP pulse. Ah. Yeah, you're talking uh, nukes and flashes, nukes and flashes. That's where you get your tachyons. And, uh, the, yeah, the, uh, uh what, what's the fucking particle accelerator that starts in for the Higgs boson, Oh, okay, yeah. That could throw tachyons, maybe. All right. I don't know. <laughs> what am I, a botanist? I don't know <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, 
don't look at me. <laughs> but even then, if it was Moore's Dr. Manhattan, it would be, huh, my universe has flashes and tachyons. Okay, let me move in for a closer look, not let me in to intervene. Right. So it has to be Straczynski's Manhattan for this to make any sense. And in its own way, that's the fucking worst part of it. And then Dr. Manhattan's going to walk across the country. That, yes, it means the, the DC universe as we've known it for some time was actually created by the guy who made Superman walk across America. This is Straczynski's fault. Pause. And that's what Dan DeNeo wants. Look at him, not me. It's like 1984. Do it to Straczynski, not me. <laughs> Pause for head desk. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, from a plot standpoint, I mean, am I missing anything? How in a story standpoint in the Worried. DC... Worried that Silk Spectre is going to show up and have Norman Osborn's babies. <laughs> <I'm> worried. <laughs> uh, also a Straczynski story. <laughs> nice, nice. So I said he should have walked in front of a bus after fucking Babylon Five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I missing any plot way this can make sense? With the DC Universe plot or continuity way, this can actually work. I, I, I think I think I, you just came up to the closest to it by by saying, okay, Speed Force is going to kick up tachyons, and so he's going to get interested. But yeah, the the idea that he would get involved points to Straczynski's control freak Manhattan fake, and and not the real more Doctor Manhattan. But even that doesn't work because again, where this all came from, why we're doing this show about this is it's not just Doctor Manhattan. There's a Splash page of Batman holding the comedian's badge. Yeah. Which means it's not just Dr. Manhattan. We might see everybody, which for God's sake, I pray doesn't happen, because from a thematic standpoint, that idea sucks (laughs) and should never fucking happen. Because Watchmen is one of the few comic books that is a comic book about comic books. Watchmen does not work and makes no sense Unless you got 40 or 50 years of DC superhero comic books and Charlton comic books on which you can stand. Yeah. So it it also makes no sense for those characters to be part of the DCU because in a very real sense, they're already DCU characters. Batman, I'm sorry, Rorschach is Batman, his obsessive nature. Yeah. Night Owl is Batman's wealth and gadget obsession. Or alternately, Blue Beetle. Well, yeah, there's the certainly the direct yeah. Charlton. Uh, Ooh, wait a minute. So so um, are we going to have Owlman now um, teaming up uh, with Blue Beetle and fighting the Court of Owls? Just wanted to ask. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> please stop. That's just... Part of the problem with this whole idea. Owl man getting together with like the evil like <laughs> justice douchebags owl man and <laughs> fighting court owls. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Just stop. Just don't do this anymore. Owls. Shh. Can I get you a drink? <laughs> Please. <laughs> but but yes. <laughs> Despite the direct <laughs> Charlton Comics pastiche that these characters are, uh, Dr. Manhattan is Superman. Yes. Silk Spectre, Robin, Nightwing, Red Arrow, every teen hero sidekick forced into the family business. 
Ozymandias, depending on how you look at it. On a good day, that's Lex Luthor. Mm. Uh, on a bad day, it's, again, Batman. It is most coldly pragmatic. Yeah. Uh, the comedian, ironically, I think is more Captain America than anything from DC, but you can make it Superman's nationalist American wayside. Yep. So, I mean, these characters work best as comments on other existing characters, and having them stand next to the actual characters they're going to comment on is superfluous at its best and just stupid at its worst. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody really, really wants to see Batman fight Rorschach. No. I firmly believe that. Well, I kind of want to see the question fight Rorschach. <laughs> no, you fucking don't. <laughs> because it's masturbation on a good day. Yeah, but I want it to be Renee Montoya's question. It doesn't fucking matter. Just tune him up. It doesn't. <laughs> You're making it worse. I'm trapped it. in here with you, bitch. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> It's a, look, <laughs> no matter who that, look, the Batman versus Rorschach is the one I heard all the time when I was 16 and my like 13, 14 year old comic fan. I wish I could see that. That first of all, it, it's stupid to be over in 10 seconds. It's a billionaire <laughs> fighting a dink in a coat. Yeah. Batarangs will defeat a coat pocket full of fucking pepper and sugar cubes any fucking day of the week. Batman has good nutrition. That's the main reason where he's going to like win because he doesn't go home and just have to eat dinty more. Yeah. Like <laughs> Batman drinks milk. <laughs> so. Lovingly prepared for him by Alfred. Exactly. Yeah, the dude living in a flop house, yeah, eating sugar cubes and dinty more. He's he's not going to do it nearly as well. Batman's boots don't have holes in them. He's covering up with fucking newspaper. Yeah. So <laughs> So yeah, that's a stupid thing to do. The only people who want to see it are, yeah, 13, 14-year-olds, provided it's still 1986 or 1987. Yeah. Anybody who's remotely mature, even remotely mature adolescents, understand if you force these characters together, you're violating a literary device for the sake of cheap fucking thrills. And no matter who wins in that, everybody fucking loses because it's just you've done something for the sheer lunatic thrill of it, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. And the problem is, if that fight happens during the course of Rebirth, and you fucking know that fight is going to happen, you know it is, it's going to mean that the DC Universe is in the hands of the editorial equivalent of fucking 10-year-olds on a playground. And that's fucking terrifying. Well, and this is why I had such an issue with, with the uh, Superman-Wonder Woman shipping. It's like, guys, can we just stop, like, fanficking things like this is <laughs> it's in its own way yeah that's absolutely the same thing it's it's people saying you know duh why don't we just do this thing because ooh, I, I, I wonder what would happen and and its own way on a you can almost forgive that kind of thinking except there's a reason it didn't happen for 50 fucking years yeah it's not terribly creative <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and and it's pandering to your worst instincts if you want to do that start a website <laughs> Yeah, there are plenty of fanfic forums waiting for you to set up an account. Yeah. You could be right there with the, the Harry Potter fucking polars and the, <laughs> the, the, the I don't know, the, the Edward from Twilight Peggers. And the, there's a space for you somewhere in between Kirk and Spock and the green goo. I don't know. What's a pegger? <laughs> Do we need to watch Deadpool again? Oh, it's right. It's a National right. Women's Day. That's. Uh, <laughs> You know, to keep it light for the kids. To keep it light for the kids. 
Ah, uh, it's. <laughs> I'm so fucking frustrated by this. Yeah, no, it just feels more like all right. So now, once they get this out of their system, what other like twelve year olds on the playground argument that somebody always wanted to see play out? What what what's next? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> And and that's part of the problem. It's not the first time DC's done this. Remember after uh, it wasn't Flashpoint, uh, uh, Countdown. Mm. Sometime after Countdown and Infinite Crisis or Final Crisis, there was the uh, I don't even remember the name of the series, the Arena, where they, somebody had an arena and they would bring in three different versions of characters from three different Earths. Now there was a multiverse. Oh yeah, to yeah, yeah. Fight yeah. it out. Yeah. And the rumor for a while was we'd see Rorschach, and then somebody, probably Paul Levitt, said, no, no, <laughs> bad idea, not doing it. And he took his rolled-up newspaper, and he bopped Dan DiDio in the nose. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible idea. Don't you do that. He was wrong, and you knew it. Don't back to your room. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they've tried it, and at some point, Better Natures got involved Oh, you know what? Here's another spoiler. You know, um, Dark Side apparently is going to come back as Superwoman's baby. So, like, the crime society is still a thing, and Superwoman's going to get knocked up by Ultraman or some shit. I don't know. And they're going to give birth to Dark Side. Can I fill this e cigarette with crack or morphine <laughs> or something? That one I hadn't seen. Is that really? That, that's it is. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> What's he gonna have? Fucking elephantesis just grow up real quick? I don't know. Because I got a pretty good idea how he can it. take care of Dark Side now. <laughs> Coat hanger? It involves aspirin, putting him to sleep on his belly. I don't know. <laughs> There's all kinds of different ways you can take care of infant Dark Side. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus wept. Pillow. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to be somewhat classy about my infanticide, <laughs> but sure, pillow. Just pillow him. <laughs> Although, uh, don't let him get vaccinated. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny McCarthy killed Darkseid. News at 11. I didn't didn't want my beautiful boy Darkseid to go on the spectrum like Dr. Manhattan. (laughs) And now now he's got the mumps. (laughs) He can't stop scratching his groin and screw. Oh, (laughs) looks like I'll vaccinate my next baby. (laughs) Jesus. That's fucking glorious. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> How'd you kill Darkseid? Ugh, mumps, measles. <laughs> Rubella. <laughs> TB. <laughs> oh, you got the rickets bad. <laughs> oh. All right, I take it back. That I'm looking forward to. <laughs> How did Darkseid die? Peanut allergy. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I have a note to all the fucking other parents. Please be sensitive. Darkseid has a peanut allergy. Don't. <laughs> so, so, so Robin goes to school with a peanut butter sandwich. Damien. Kills, Damien, Damien goes to Damien school. And fucking kills Darkseid. <laughs> Damien eats a sandwich and sneezes. It <laughs> kills fucking Darkseid. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> latex allergy. They bring him balloons for oh, a birthday. Oh, God. <laughs> they killed him with a balloon puppy. <laughs> My little dark side, his beautiful angel, and he's allergic <laughs> to latex. And you made a balloon puppy and killed my baby dark side. 
<laughs> Milk allergy. <laughs> My baby dark side, the Lord of Darkness, has lactose intolerance. So by God, you give him soy milk. <laughs> oh, I don't want to see where the omega beams come out of. <laughs> oh, God. I take it back. I'm looking forward to rebirth now. Yeah, actually, now I want to see. I want to see. Da- Damien's supposed to um, be thirteen in this, which is interesting because the last time we saw him, he was ten. It's and yet we somehow t- lost like ten years of time. I- we lost ten years. He gained three. He's got to be in the Teen Titans. It's- yeah, so he's he's gonna be thirteen. So I mean, that makes him old enough to babysit. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I now see how Dark Side is going to die. <laughs> I told you not to leave baby Darkseid with plastic dry cleaning bags. When next we see Damien Wayne in The Babysitter's Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't have Teen Titans, just The Babysitter's Club. And a new child <laughs> hero babysitting Darkseid every fucking week. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Rebirth now. Jesus Can Scotty Christ. Young draw that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I want Scotty Young to draw that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I think I'm having an aneurysm. Oh, this is going to be glorious. Hey, D- Dan, DiDio, if you're listening to this, we got a pit. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. See, now I got a smile on my face. I, I got to go back to bitching about fucking watching it in the fucking DC Rebirth. But it's... That's that's also, yeah, Jesus, now I'm excited. But (laughs) taking away this pitch that nobody will ever take. (laughs) No, actually, the Babysitter's Club is actually the perfect place also for Ambush Bug to show up, too. Oh, yes, I want Ambush Bug. Oh, God. But it's, yeah, I mean, up until this Watchmen thing, although now again with Baby Darkseid and like Baby Danger, I don't (laughs) know. But uh, I, I've, I've dark side, sh- stay in the house. <laughs> dark side, <laughs> stay in the house. Dark side, <laughs> there's peanuts out there. <laughs> dark side. <laughs> that's good because when Rick yells "dark side," it sounds like dork side. That's yeah, good. that's <laughs> that's good. But I, I, I've tried to have in my head that okay. Rebirth is really DC trying to make right some of the things they've fucked up since the new 52. Yes. You know, and open up these older characters and continuity for I've tried to see it as a positive. I've really felt that way. I felt that way when they did Convergence, like these are all positive things that they're yeah, doing. I liked Convergence. Yeah, but now that they're doing the the Watchmen thing and it's like clearly whatever for money and it 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 just makes it clear to me that DC is really fucking desperate. Yeah. They will try anything to make a buzz about this, no matter what it means to their history and their comics. Because yeah, before Watchmen was a shitty idea, nobody looks back on the, like with a smile on their face. You know, a couple decent stories came out of it, but the good certainly did not fucking outweigh the bad. Yeah, and like I said, nobody is screaming to get big, nice hardcover before Watchmen to put next to the original Watchmen on the bookshelf. They're, no. It's at the time, I called it fanfic executed by really strong professionals, but it's still fucking fanfic. It really is. You know, it came, it went, it was self-contained so I could ignore it. Yeah. And once it was done, it was done, and the books went into storage, and that was the end of it. But if we make Watchmen characters 
part of DC continuity. Are we going to be, you can't ignore it at that point. That's my great fear that we come out of rebirth and they say, Hey man, all bets are off. And these are just DC characters. Now, you know, I could ignore before Watchmen Rorschach if I wanted to, it's going to be harder to ignore like Brave and the Bold 17, <laughs> Ambush Bug and the Comedian. Actually, <laughs> I would read that. You know? <laughs> yeah, but would you read like Birds of Prey 28, guest starring Silk Spectre? Um, may- maybe. I would actually buy the hell out of an Ambush Bug Dr. Manhattan comic book <laughs> for like two or three months. Actually, yeah, I totally, totally would. <laughs> um, you really wanted to Ambush Bug Dr. Manhattan professional babysitters? <laughs> Lex Luthor, <laughs> Ozymandias, slap fight. <laughs> yeah, I, None more purple. Yeah. <laughs> None more purple. Good title. <laughs> but it it just it feels so goddamn desperate. And it, it feels like if it works in Rebirth, fucking DiDio and Harris and everybody was like, okay, we were right all the time. No matter what Paul Levitt said for years, it's good to have these characters in the DC universe. They're Earth 1.5. They'll be here every 20 minutes. It's going to be like anything else, though. It's about sales. So if the sales don't happen, because there's always an initial bump when they do shit like this, and then it levels off and finds the the place where it's supposed to be. So if these things don't sell, they're going to go the fuck away. Just like with when New 52 started, they had all of these different waves of, oh, let's try this character, let's try this character. And some of those had tragically short lives and, and others um, dragged on for far too long. Yeah, but you know what's different? Everybody wants to get a piece of the Watchmen characters. You've got a whole generation of creators who grew up uh, like we did. It was like, these are the comics that changed my life. Yeah. And yeah, that points a lot of them at Batman. But uh, believe me, if you say, oh, yeah, you can have Rorschach in your book, do you think people are really going to be able to say, uh... Well, one thing that becomes interesting to me, in a way, although I'm sure that this is not something that the writers have thought about, is you put Dr. Manhattan in a world that could potentially be populated with magic characters, (laughs) and... Don't give them ideas! Well, no, I'm just saying it's, it's then you cease to have a four dimensional world, and you're dealing with with things that are outside um, the laws of science. You know, so you've got Zatanna who could look at him and say something backwards, and then he goes away. Like he just, <laughs> I mean, you can always cure it, yeah, if you have to. But my great fear is that, yeah, this will sell like a motherfucker, and you'll have there's gonna be a certain percentage of people who don't have the literary maturity to say there's no reason to have Rorschach standing next to Batman because Rorschach is Batman. Rorschach is a comment on Batman. Right. You're going to have a certain percentage of people go, fight! Let him fight! Yeah, and and you don't need the comedian in the world that in a world that already has Amanda Waller running those sorts of operations for exactly. the government. <laughs> exactly. It's, you don't need it. But there are going to be people who say, yeah, I want to see that and fuck it up for the rest of us. Yeah. And there are going to be creators who can't help themselves. I'm not sure if I were a comic writer or a writer of anything beyond fucking dick jokes. (laughs) But if I wrote comics and somebody said, yeah, you can have the comedian. Comedian is one of my favorite characters ever. I've got a comedian license plate on the front of my car. There's a comedian statue in the corner of this room. 
it's I'm not sure I would have the self control. Who 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 like at the retreat came up with this solely because they were thinking, you know, it would be hot. Catwoman and Silk Spectre. <laughs> no, because Lori isn't hot. <laughs> she's not. She's not. Again, Dr. Manhattan is passive. Lori was there making eyes at him, so he fucked her. That's that's Dr. Manhattan. He's lucky it wasn't Rorschach, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but it, it just feels so desperate to do this. And I don't think it's a coincidence. It's combine this with DC's logo change. Because this week, DC announced they've got a brand brand new and big fucking quotes. Mm. <laughs> brand new logo that's going to debut on this book. And it's DC- a very retro looking logo. Yeah. It's, it's very much from the 1970s. You know, it's a third time they've changed their logo in 10 years. In 2005, they changed from that old school round DC bullet with stars mm-hmm. that they started with in like 1976 or 77. Yep. They did the kind of oval swoopy sort of knockoff version of that. Yep. 2012, they changed the logo that really, if you look at it, it looks like somebody's opening the lid to a toilet. Yeah, I was going to go, it looks like a Band-Aid that's trying to fall off. Yeah, or a droopy wang yeah. is, a, yeah. is the one I always kind of <laughs> went with, but... but uh. And yeah, you can say what you want about that logo, and God knows I say it sucks. I never liked it, but at least it was different. Yep. You know, this new logo, yeah, it looks like a lot like the ones they used in the early 1970s. And you can make the argument that, oh, this harkens back to the glory days of DC Comics, except the real glory days of DC Comics is like three blocks. You're talking like the Mm. late 30s, early 40s, you know, the late 50s, early 60s, and the mid to late 1980s. The era that this logo calls back to is the fucking DC implosion. <laughs> when everything went to shit. Yeah. It doesn't it's like throwing the hammer and sickle back on the Russian flag. <laughs> it's like, all right, you were world power back then, but a lot of people remember having to wait in line for toilet paper. It's really not mm. the message you probably want to send. No. And God knows shit like trade dress, it's a boring subject, but it's the public face of the organization. And this is one that is looking clearly backward and not forward, and that's not a really good fucking sign. No. Well, I, I guess, you know, we can just continue to pin our hopes on DC Babysitter's Club. <laughs> and you know, after Damian Wayne has his shot, you know, maybe it'll be Daniel, be watching Little Dark Side, <laughs> take him off into the dreaming. And- <laughs> Maybe, maybe um, we have we have that that special episode where where a little dark side discovers um, hay fever, and, <laughs> and somebody gives him like a whole like package of Benadryl and he just sleeps. Just sleeps. Yeah, he, he finds the candy in the medicine cabinet, <laughs> and then he's introduced to his arch nemesis, Mister Yuck. <laughs> they, DC, if you're listening, get us because we might be your only fucking hope. I mean, seriously, who else? They Jeff Johns. This is like his last DC comic. It is. He's got nothing solicited because he just got promoted to co-head of DC Films this week. That's right. He was taking kind of like half of the Kevin Feige Marvel role. Right. So you're talking about the guy who was responsible for some of the high points of DC in the last 10 years. You got the Sinestro Corps War, Blackest Night. That's about as high as DC's flown in the last 10 years. Who you got to take his place, DC? Scott Snyder can only do so fucking much. I'm kind of glad that Snyder is off Batman at this point now that they're going in this direction because I'd hate to see him have to contort himself 
to put up with this bullshit. Yeah, I mean, he's got the all-star Batman thing coming up, so I don't know if that's completely out of continuity. Uh, maybe. For his sake, I hope so. It's a, don't worry, it's under control. Oh, Superboy Prime babysits Darkseid. <laughs> <laughs> I can keep going. <laughs> I, I think you should. This is about the best idea that we've got going on right at this point. Yeah, you call us. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I don't know. I guess you still got Scott Lobdell. He could probably take point. You don't want him um, writing a babysitter's club because then it's just like hot girls sitting around mostly naked. Oh, wait, you probably do. That That's probably how you think it would sell. <laughs> <laughs> Brett no, Booth and Drott. No, no. <laughs> we need near infanticide on a fucking at least monthly, if not biweekly basis. Let's make it a weekly comic. <laughs> Impulse. Impulse babysits dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I'll totally take good care of your kid. Ooh, shiny. Not <laughs> uh, ambush bug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't know how you get around. It, it just now this whole rebirth thing just feels so goddamn dead and desperate to me. Mm. And it's it, the easy, you know, my first gut instinct is fucking fire Bob Harris. Fire Dan. I love Dan DeDio. I think he's making a mistake here, but yeah. the problem is that's not a goddamn cure. No. I mean, the reality is companies are not... I mean, companies suck. Companies <laughs> are a terrible fucking place to have to work. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's where the money's at, so <laughs> we all have to do it, but, you know, you look at comics in the last 15 years, you know, 15 years ago, Marvel was almost bankrupt. Now they got a cinematic universe, so DC wants a piece of that, so they're trying to pivot again to deal with Marvel. You know, and whether you agree or not, and I happen to like Dan DeDio, he oversaw a pretty significant period of growth at DC, and he got himself promoted. Good for him, I guess. But yeah, now that comics are like a farm for TV and movie properties, you know, Warner Brothers is more directly involved. They put Diane Nelson in. Mm-hmm. And when uh, DeDio got promoted... You bring in Bob Harris, and he brings his own people in. That's why Scott Lobdell is not asking you if you want fucking fries with that right now. <laughs> but you know, these kind of promotions and changes happen at companies, not just the company that you know we all toil for or wherever you happen to work. It's you know every company. It's comic companies, and that means people fucking leave. Yeah. I mean, if I'm Paul Levitz, Paul Levitz supposedly, from stuff I've read, he was the guy who stood in between Watchmen and everything else for years. You know, if I'm Paul Levitz, do I want to get demoted and work for, you know, whatever you think about Diane Nelson when she got promoted to that position? She'd never worked on a comic book before. Right. Uh, no, I would leave too. Well, he did write some of the issues of, of, of things that came out during the New 52. Oh, he continued to write for it and he's worked for him on a consultant basis, but he was he was a president of DC right. when that all happened and that's when, you know, he left that position. You know, whether he left voluntarily or it was just sort of a, yeah, why don't you write a resignation and we'll also, who the fuck knows? Right. Again, <laughs> DC talked to us once to see and us. And you know, look, Jeff Johns, uh, look, he wrote great comics and then he moved to chief creative officer or whatever his current thing is. And before the DC films, he got the DCW thing off the ground. He got himself promoted. You know, all right, he's not writing anymore. The, look, Neither Jeff Johns, nor Dan DiDio, nor you, nor me, or anybody else would turn down those promotions and that money. That's yeah. just the real world. And frankly, yeah, DC Comics has had some hard times with us a few years. If I'm Dan DiDio and I'm not directly on the block, 
Yeah, I let Bob Harris oversee fucking Rebirth. If it works, hey, Dan wins. Yep, I championed him. <laughs> if it doesn't work, Dan fucking fires Bob Harris. And oh, shit, I took care of it. And he wins. Yeah. That's yeah. corporate America. That's the way the thing works. It's, you know, look. <laughs> I just quit a company that four years ago I swore you would have to fucking drag me out of there dead to leave. But yeah, we got a new CEO. We got a couple new people in places. And that meant certain people I liked left. And new people came in, and all right, it was time to go. Mm-hmm. And it, you can decide, oh, shit, we've made terrible mistakes. We can start to write the course, but it takes a long time to do that. You know? And the problem is not everybody who was there when it was good is going to be willing to come back, even if you say, no, we're trying to make that happen again. That's just the way of the world. Yeah. So, yeah, the people who could have prevented this Watchmen shit, they're gone. <laughs> They fucked off, or they were asked to leave. You know, it might still say DC in the book, but it's not the DC comics that would have championed something like Watchmen in the first place. No, we're left with people who sit in the corner of their office with a couple of Barbie dolls, smushing them together, going, yeah, Superman and Wonder Woman, it's a good idea, I'll write this down as soon as I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, I woke up this morning thinking Rebirth's going to be awesome. And now it's like, oh, God, DC's fucked. No, They're there's, fucked. <clears throat> there's still hope. Um, Zan and Jaina, babysitters club, <laughs> Dark Side. <laughs> uh, dark Side drowns. <laughs> form of a recalled car seat. <laughs> Shape of an ice slick. <laughs> Shape of black ice. <laughs> Oh God! Anything? I'm, this, uh, that's everything I wanted to say about uh, Watchmen and DC Universe Rebirth. I'm imagining we'll review the actual comic once we've read the whole yeah. thing next week. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we we can't really know until we read it. But there, they seem to be making some initial missteps here with their conceptual ideas. There's no good reason to bring Watchmen into it other than I've always wanted to write this. Yeah, it's, look, certainly, I'm so excited. certainly uh, on one hand, you want to withhold judgment until you hear the whole story, and I'm a firm believer in that, and I won't say whether this individual comic book is good or bad until I read it. However, there's waiting for the entire story, and then there's, psst, hey, buddy, I got a picture of your mother fucking a baboon. <laughs> That's enough information to get angry. I don't need the backstory. <laughs> Once I see the picture, I'm pissed off. Babysitter's Club, Wendy and Marvin. <laughs> Babysit Dark Side. <laughs> uh, I, anything else you want to say on this, or, or do you want to move to some actual comics? Nah, I'm, I'm good. All right. Owls. Uh, what? Owls. Owls. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we're at an hour and a half, by the way. So uh, want to talk about all three books, a sure. couple of them? Let's, let's do it. Uh, well, let's, let's start with a couple and see where we're at timing-wise. So why don't you pick one first? I want to start with uh, Hanna-Barbera's Future Quest, number one. Um, yes. Because, you see, DC has um, started to incorporate all of the Hanna-Barbera characters. So, you know, someday we could have Peanut from Birdman babysitting Darkseid. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't last 10 seconds. Yeah. But uh, this, this book is by Jeff Parker. Uh, yep, with art by uh, Evan Doc Shaner and Steve Rude. Yeah, from Nexus. Yeah, and, uh, and oh god, he did one of the Before Watchmen books too. I can't remember which, but in any event, um, so the premise of this is um, 
the the banner kids well actually not the banner kids johnny quest who is uh um what's his face <laughs> race banner uh, race uh banyan I banyan think. race banyan is his bodyguard and his dad is uh why am i blanking quentin and before quentin you, race before quentin. before you, <laughs> quest before you ask no we don't watch the venture brothers and i know that will make a certain percentage of people go how can you not watch the Ven-? We don't watch the Venture Brothers. We know it's based on Johnny Quest. We hear very good things about it. We'll get to it someday. We haven't gotten to it, to, to it yet, but that's not why we can't remember the names of the characters from Johnny Quest. No, I was... It's because I, we're in our mid-40s and it's been a long time since we saw the show. Yeah, and honestly, like I, I was filled with this weirdness reading this whole book because they've got in here um, yeah, Johnny Quest characters. They've got Birdman characters. Um, at the end, there's a big reveal that shows you Space Ghost. So yeah. the entire time I'm reading this with the voice of all of the characters of uh, the various shows that have been on Cartoon Cartoon Network and Adult Swim for the last several years. <laughs> that really is the hardest part of these is yeah, the fact that Cartoon Network did what they did with these characters. Look, when I was in my 20s, I'd get home from doing comedy shows. I'd crack like eight, ten beers and would watch Space Ghost Coast to Coast. And what they didn't fuck around with, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, did. So, yeah, reading this, I heard George Lowe when Space Ghost talked. I heard Gary Cole when Birdman spoke. <laughs> yeah. And God help us when we finally see Falcon 7. <laughs> so, it's, and that's unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, that's a reality of, you know, if you're in Generation X or younger, if you're a Cartoon Network fan, these characters were not spoiled. But it's an overlay on top of what we saw as kids. Because, yeah. yeah, if you were in Generation X, you first saw these as Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, the Space Ghost, Johnny Quest, Herculoids, those were all on Saturday mornings. So that's where I first saw them. Right. Well, I, I, I actually saw these, I think, on Sunday mornings. I feel like this was a, a Sunday morning thing on some UHF channel. Some of them probably were. I mean, Johnny Quest, I know, first came out in the 60s. So I certainly couldn't have seen it in the first run. Yeah. So it may have been certain ones were on Sunday mornings. Uh, others you know, had uh, not uh, revamps, but uh, re- uh, revivals Yes, uh, in the 70s and 80s. So it's possible. But yeah, it wasn't Saturdays. It may have been after school. But yeah, we saw them as kids. Right. But those kind of went away. And then after a while, yeah, the only Space Ghost I've seen since before this comic book was... <laughs> George Lowe yeah, lying you, on the ground. Are you real pro? Yeah, you real pro. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if you can get away from that, this is not a bad little adventure comic. Yeah. Yeah. And it does a pretty good job of bringing a bunch of main characters from a bunch of very disparate properties together in one place. And it, it, it does it for a more, more adult audience, if not a full, it's not an adult comic. No, it's certainly not Watchmen, but <laughs> it, it it opens kind of dark. I mean, it, it shows the what looks like the destruction of Space Force, which I imagine is the origin of Space Ghost. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's beyond that. It, it really captures the the tone of Johnny Quest. I thought best, which uh, was always to me, it's a yeah, a couple kids on an adventure. They've got future tech and absolutely no fear of what's going on. It's just another adventure, that kid's feeling of indestructibility. Very little oversight. Yeah, (laughs) very little oversight. (laughs) 
<laughs> races off crashing somewhere. And well, and even when Johnny's being like completely unsafe with his jetpack, because you know we all, we know that all ten year olds should be given jetpacks <laughs> so that they can fly over alligator infested waters. I can't believe my parents gave me a bike, let alone a jetpack. The race is watching him do shit. And he's like, oh, yeah, I used to do that too during maneuvers. He's like, oh, yeah. oh, kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, damn little scamps. No you're helmets. Out, you're no out helmets. there with those $900,000 prototype jetpacks and <laughs> just ruffle your hair and just, yeah, go off and do a loop-de-loop right, right above the alligator's head. Yeah. Oh, boys will be boys <laughs> with $900,000 jetpacks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean... And look, the idea that's just, oh, there's portals. There's always been portals. There are these portals around and little elements from all these universes that bring all these various Hanna-Barbera characters into Johnny Quest's version of Earth. Sure, it's convenient. It's silly. It's a little obvious. There's certainly, it's as much a MacGuffin to make things happen as anything else. But what the fuck? It's a comic book version of a Saturday morning kids cartoon. I can accept that. So the, the portals, though, I couldn't help but think of like some of the things that happened during the new 52 with um, Vibe and the Daemonites. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, after all this, part of me was thinking, beyond one of those portals, it's just a big blue wang. I'm bored with this universe. I'm tired of its people. <laughs> <laughs> I want to mash them together. <laughs> sit in a room with my Johnny Quest action figure and my Space Ghost, and I just mash them together. <laughs> Kiss, do it, do it. <laughs> but this actually, no, it's relatively successful. It's and um, but it, it, there is this like weird twenty first century part of me that had had some moments where I watched like the big white blonde guy talk about how he serves raw, and um, the sun is my strength, the sky is my home, and I have the power of this Egyptian god, even though I'm like a Kendall, and <laughs> <laughs> um and. Doctors in, you get that kind of like, oh, really? We want to go like bald Fu Manchu? Okay, you know. Like, it, it was it was a villain from. I know, I know. From, <laughs> I believe the Johnny Quest comics. So they look to try to get all these things in. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. They just slap it all together. Yeah. Portals. It's all portals. It's portals. <laughs> They're not portals. You know how it is. Thinking in portals. <laughs> the cake is a lie. The cake is in fact a lie. <laughs> There's no cake in Future Quest, <laughs> <laughs> but it was enjoyable. It, it yeah, it, it made you it, if you were a person of a certain age who watched these cartoons in some incarnation, you will probably enjoy this book. Yeah, you'll you'll get a nice flush of nostalgia, and from an art standpoint, a, a lot of these characters were created by Alex Toth. Yeah, yeah, you know, who is historically a, a great action-based, simple-line artist who didn't never did a lot of superhero stuff, but is well-renowned in comics art. And yeah, what Shaner and Rude does, it's a good match for it. It's simple, solid line work. It's easy to follow. It's not too cluttered. Yeah. And by the way, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Amanda, but if, if you want an entertaining read uh, that's actually very educational, just Google Steve Rude, Alex Toth. Okay. Because Rude once wrote to Toth to ask for a critique on some art, and it was actually, uh, he was doing art on one of Comico's Johnny Quest comics from the 80s, because huh. they had a Johnny Quest series, and Toth fucking ripped him a new fucking asshole. This, oh, man. This is terrible. This is stupid. I don't know why you're thinking of this. I don't know why you're doing this. And it's not just, it's entertaining and the ha-ha, a man yells at man and funny. <laughs> and But it's also, 
what he talks about with how to lay out action and how to do line work, I really learned a lot about just how comic art is put together. As Look, you and I come from writing and English yeah. backgrounds. So that's what we really respond to. Uh, that's what we understand and can really pick into with comics. So the art stuff, it's like, you know, my education is, yeah, that's good. I like it. But yeah. I got more from just reading this letter back from Alex Toth to Steve Rude than I, than I got from a lot of other stuff. It's really an entertaining and educational read if you've never looked it up. It's seriously. Yeah, I, I believe you. I tried it. Just Google Steve Rude, Alex Toth, and it's the first thing that comes up. Okay. So, but yeah, uh, bottom line, this is a fun adventure comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a DC comic unlikely to be retconned by a character from Watchmen. So I see a lot of opportunities for um, young teen protagonists to potentially babysit Darkseid. Hot young teen protagonists to babysit Darkseid. <laughs> My little Darkseid should not be put into a $900,000 jetpack <laughs> where he now might I- encounter a peanut skin. Now, well, see, this gives me hope. Johnny Quest could babysit Darkseid. I want to see... Shaggy and Scooby babysit Darkseid. Because <laughs> there, there is um, a Shaggy and Scooby. Uh, we don't have it here, but there's going to be a new Shaggy and Scooby. That's because this is going to be Generation X heresy. I never gave a fuck about Shaggy and That Scooby. was my first lunchbox box. Yeah, mine, mine, was, good. mine was Star Wars. You're a <laughs> failure. <laughs> I am such a failure. But it, it, seriously, that cartoon never did a hell of a lot for me. It's it, part of it was uh, okay. It's a I don't know. It just never did a lot. And then uh, once I saw Scrappy when I was like eight years old, yeah, Scrappy was, that was the end too of the far. line. That was yeah. It, I was a an, an Olympics, Animal Olympics, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Mugsley or whatever. <laughs> that was my jam, Captain Caveman <laughs> Mugsley. <laughs> what can I tell you? See, Gen X nostalgia, kids, and this book is good for us. But see, so. see the, 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 the Scooby thing, there was all the, the thinly veiled pot jokes that I didn't get at the time. <laughs> I don't get them now. I'm a drunk. <laughs> sure, I'll babysit your kid. <laughs> I'm not even going to do it. This is, you've gone too far now. I've gone too far. You've gone too far. I'm sorry. That's it. This is your punishment. <laughs> you suck so much. I do. I do. All right. Which one we want to do next? Uh, let's talk about Sabrina. Speaking of things that are... <laughs> you just want to make sure you get to these other two books because we have to talk about Civil War Zero. Yes. All right. <laughs> Fuck it. be a long show. Stop breaking things. <laughs> I, shit, I might have broken. Oh, damn it. Right. I broke my document holder. <laughs> Fuck. Did you bend your Wookiee? I bent my Wookiee. All right. So, Sabrina. <laughs> uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, written by uh, Roberto Aguira Sacasa. What kind yep. of parents would name their kid that? Uh, art by Robert Hack. Yep. Uh, clearly, I should have spent more time at home in the 90s if this is what the TV show was like. Um, this is not what the TV show was no, like. No, it most uh, certainly I would have watched the TV show if this is what it was like. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's... Uh, this book, it, it's following the formula uh, that Afterlife with Archie laid down. It's a real legitimate horror comic for older teens or adults. Yeah. So, yeah, this is you know, not, oh, you're reading a Sabrina comic. No, this is some of the cool stuff that uh, Aguirre Tsukasa... What kind of parents would name their kid that? Has, ...has done since he's become editor-in-chief of Archie Comics with some of these kind of offlines that are really... More of a, not necessarily for adults, but at least for for older teens and adults. 
Yeah, so this is issue number five. And in the issues leading up to this, Sabrina fell in love with a boy um, with her cousin, worked a magic spell so that he'd fall in love with her. And then um, he interrupted her on the night that she was supposed to be inducted into her satanic church to become a full witch. Uh, mortals aren't supposed to do that, so he was killed. And in this issue, she is to stand trial for her heresy of consorting with mortals. Yes, and by stand trial, it's a fucking trial to find out if you're a witch. Yeah, actually. <laughs> and as somebody who lives about, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 miles away from Salem where the crow flies, yeah, I've been to the museums where they show what a witch trial is. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's it's a Sabrina comic. Yeah. About Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Being tried for witchcraft. Performing <laughs> forbidden necromancy to bring back the dead. Yeah. And it leads to murder in the Harvey Kinkle household. It references Shakespeare and blood rites and the seduction of teenage girls to the dark arts. Yeah, Betty and uh, Veronica from uh, Riverdale are witches in a coven. In Mrs. Grundy has a nature group. It's not really a nature group. No, 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 no. <laughs> they commune with nature, sort of. <laughs> there, there's, yes, there's frolicking in there, Mary. And then there's fire. <laughs> and then, then, then they do the witchcraft. Um, I'm a nasty piece of work. Ask anybody. So Madam Satan apparently is a factor in this, and she apparently at some point had been involved with Sabrina's father until Dad dumped her to get with Sabrina's mother, so she's got an ulterior motive here too. And she is working to... She is pretending to be a drama teacher in Riverdale for the purposes of manipulating Betty and Veronica so that when... Sabrina wants to bring back Harvey from the dead because she's pining for her lost love. She uses this as an opportunity to slip um, Sabrina's dead dad's spirit in the body of Harvey. And it's creepy because then Sabrina and fake Harvey talk on the phone and it's all like, that's your dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But uh, the the whole, like, there's... That's a weird thing. This is an Archie comic where themes of incest are in no way out of place. (laughs) We got those in Afterlife with Archie. Yeah. We're going to get them in this. There are overt references to homosexuality. Yeah. With the father of the Satanist church, Aleister Crowley, in this Archie comic. It's fucking gorgeous. You could have thrown it to anybody. Um, Exactly. (laughs) But, uh... The whole um, manipulation of, of the teen witches by Madam Satan and then the, the three-day wait as um, the spirit comes back from the dead and Sabrina is waiting and and somehow Harvey's mother believes that her son will come back to her. So the tension in Harvey's household is as effective as anything that was in Pet Cemetery, waiting for like the, the dread horror to come back to your doorstep. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and just the blind faith that has clearly driven Mrs. Kinkle past the point of madness. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, look, all of these more modern Archie books have, to some level or another, relied on the fact that they're more adult stories, but with Archie characters in them. Yeah. And the fact that it's Archie characters, smiling, wholesome Archie characters, heightens the impact, and they rely on that. And this is no different. This is Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Right. With her aunts and her talking cat, Salem. But Sabrina's being put through a legitimate witch trial. Trial. (laughs) She will likely have attempted seduction by her father and her boyfriend's body. Undead body. Yes. There's implied 
torture in this book. And the juxtaposition of Sabrina the Teenage Witch in this kind of thing, it's kind of a gimmick, and that kind of gimmick won't work forever. But it does for now. It's mm. really fucking fun. Yeah. You know, this is as much fun and interesting as Afterlife with Archie yeah. has been. And and they remind you at the end of it, there's some stuff for Afterlife with Archie. So if you're not reading that, you know, you should go read that. Yeah. <laughs> Issue 9 is going to drop on June 1st. Yes. For, for that. If, if you're not reading that, I remember to this day walking into the, the local comic store and, and the owner, Steve, going, Rob, Afterlife with Archie. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> You've got to be out of your mind. He's like, it's really good. It's the first time in my life I bought an Archie comic, and I couldn't fucking believe it. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. I wanted to talk about this, and I even wanted to talk about Future Quest, even though it's being published by DC. That If you're tired of, of event nonsense, there are books out there in the world that are still good. That you don't, if, if you think you're tired of, of, of Superman stories and of, of silliness, <laughs> yeah. there are still good comic books in the world. You just have to look a little further than you might have 15 years ago. Yeah, and, and certainly the big two, you know, have a certain amount of uh, a lock arm on some of the name art. But even in this, uh, I'm not familiar with Robert Hack, but the art is really appropriate to the book. We got one of the alternate covers that was really, it's a riff on the cover that, uh, I'm sorry, you're looking at the comic. Who? It's the, Jack Kamen? Yeah, uh, Jack uh, Kamen, who Kamen. did... Uh, the, the Tales from the Crypt. Tales or... from the Crypt. This is the Creep Show cover. Creep Show, from, yeah. So he clearly has a handle on EC style art, and this is not really EC art, which was much a, which is a simpler line, but it still has sort of a... That same kind of horror... Yeah, sort of a sketchy four color uh, kind look, of thing, but yeah. dark and uh, yeah, it's it really fits this story, and yeah, it's just, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Excuse me, as I burp, I've had three beers, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the only issue I've had with this title is it it seems to ship so infrequently, right? Uh, it's, I'm not I'm not sure what the what the issue is, but when it when it comes out, it's it's, it's great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So it's one of those books I'm actually looking forward to when they eventually get collected in a trade because I think it'll be good to be able to sit down and just sort of read it through. Yeah, so that'll be the good news uh, when DC fucking collapses after <laughs> Rebirth. Uh, maybe Archie could pick up some of that talent. <laughs> so, uh, it kills me to be so cynical about DC, but God damn it! Well, you know, all right, then let's, let's, let's be cynical about the next big Marvel event book, Civil War Two. Oh, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> You don't need to read Marvel. Uh, you don't need to read event books, rather. Uh, so here's an event book. Yeah. <laughs> Civil War Two number zero, which is still somehow the second book in the Civil War Two series. Yes. Uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, art by Olivier uh, Coipel. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Anyway, uh, yeah, we got a hit movie about Civil War, so strap yourself in, kids. We're going to do it all over again. Eventually, because nothing fucking happens in this issue. Brian Michael Bendis writes some great dialogue. However, sometimes he spends so much time writing his great dialogue that nothing happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, for a book with the word war in the title, there's really no action in this book. It's yeah. all conversation. And it's and it's all exposition and background to lay down the story so you get a sense of all right, here's here's the theme. And spoilers, here's the theme. Um should you if if you are found to have thoughts that are not to the liking of the majority, 
should you um, be incarcerated for for any eventual crimes they might lead to. See, I don't really think that's the theme at all. I think what we're going to... Well, I think it's partially the theme. I think what it's really going to get to is with this character, Ulysses, who apparently, based on a couple of very short appearances, can see the future. Mm -hmm. If you can see the future and predict crime, predict events, should you act preemptively to stop the crime, or is it justice to... You can only punish what people do. Yeah, but I think that that gets to they they lay down the the groundwork for that with um, Jennifer Walter has um, a case where she's trying to defend somebody called the Jester. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and it's a riff on that case that recently happened in New York, where there was a, a New York cop, I think, who was uh, trading what amounted to weird, twisted fanfic about, oh, I'd love to kidnap a woman and cut her up and eat her. Yeah. And they arrested him for it, even though he hadn't done, done anything. anything. Yeah. So clearly it's a riff on that. Right. Um, and then, yeah, we we meet this this kid, Ulysses, and he can see the future, but he doesn't have a very good handle on it. He's an inhuman. <laughs> and that's, that's part of the problem. It looks like the real event that brings about Civil War II actually happens in the free comic book day issue of Civil War II. Yep. And technically, this issue zero takes place before the free comic book day issue that came out two weeks ago. But it's not clear in either book that that's really what happens. Right. Yeah, in the free comic book day issue, yeah, we're introduced to Ulysses, who's an inhuman who claims he can see the future. But in this issue, Civil War Two Zero, we see this character get the Terrigen Mist for the first time and become inhuman. And part of the problem I had with it is in number zero, this week's issue, he's only referred to by name once, and I missed it the first time. Yeah. So he's drawn differently in the free comic book day issue. He doesn't have the soul patch or the hat that he has in number zero. So visually, the cues to know they're the same person were different, and that kind of fucked me up. Yeah, and well, and the point is... Also, with Ulysses in this, nobody really knows who he is. <laughs> right. Everybody's got their attention on this Michelle character who they assume is going to emerge from her Terrigen Mist cocoon like some sort of beautiful fucking powered butterfly. And no, she's a flying monkey from Oz. And <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> some form of demonic thing. That's the one action in the book. Yeah. That, yes, this, this beautiful girl breaks out and she's kind of monstrous. But otherwise, there's no action in it. But the the problem I had was, yeah, if you missed Free Comic Book Day or you or you went and your store was out of the Free Comic Book Day Civil War, you have no fucking idea what's going on in this. Right. You, know, you don't know. You see Ulysses come out of his chrysalis and he sees a burning city, but that happens right after this Michelle person breaks out of hers, and for all you know, she is the end and the be all. She is the baby dark side. <laughs> With no babysitter to give her peanut allergies and has destroyed New York. You, you don't really know. It's not really clear. It's tricky storytelling relying on this other book that you may or may not have been able to get your hands on. Right. So it, it's unnecessarily confusing how they set the story up here. I don't and, disagree. And yeah, all the action is in the free comic book day. It, it, here's what we get for action in this. We get uh, She-Hulk arguing a case in court. We get War Machine being offered the Secretary of Defense job by the President. 
Apparently they don't have to go through Senate confirmations in this particular universe. Fuck no! That's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Dr. Manhattan points his wang and then suddenly... That's a whole different... <laughs> That's a whole different... whole different line. Anyway, but uh, we get uh, Captain Marvel getting psych- psychoanalyzed by Doc Samson. And that surprised me because I thought Doc Samson went evil and got fucking killed by the Red Hulk back in the Red Hulk series in 2009. But, you know, Secret Wars, not a reboot. Not a reboot. Marvel does not reboot. <clears throat> and DC would never pimp characters from one of the greatest works of literature of the 20th century to sell funny books. Fucking. How do you really feel? So angry. <laughs> I'm so. <laughs> How do I feel? Okay. Um, I'm lost. Uh, I'm angry and I'm armed. So. <laughs> and then, yeah, we get this college co head coming out of a chrysalis and uh, growing wings and hissing. That's the action in this monkey. book. She's a flying monkey. Sure. <laughs> But, uh, you know, there's just, there's so, it feels like there's so little plot and action development. They lay the groundwork for this war of ideals Mm -hmm. with, yeah, She-Hulk defending Jester for pre-crime, basically, and Captain Marvel committing to the Ultimates and their mission to preemptively stop, at this point, instinction-level events. But uh, we're not sure that it stops with extinction-level events, and that's where Doc Samson is furtively typing out things on a tablet, which makes it seem as though he is communicating with some other group, person, Captain America maybe, that Carol has these intentions to investigate how to stop pre-crime. Okay. So I didn't pick up on that. I saw he was doing something on the tablet, but yeah, I couldn't he's, really tell he's, what he was he's doing. He's frantically swiping letters uh, in what appears to be either a chat or text Okay. App. Okay. Yeah, it's so clearly that's the way it's going to go. You know, pre you know, if you can predict a crime, is it acceptable to intervene before anything actually happens? Is that ethical? Yeah. And that's fine, but it's it's kind of something that's been examined like over and over again yeah. by Philip K. Dick, you know, by public policy, <laughs> by Dr. fucking Manhattan. Yeah. So it's one of those things it's you know, do I want to see superheroes punch on each other? Sure. I'm a comic book fan. I always like to see that. But it's going to be, all right, it's a viewpoint that I've seen before. And I think what ultimately we're going to see is eventually Ulysses is going to fuck up. He's going to see something that isn't correct. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the final, okay, well, clearly this is not ethical because we don't have 100% a foolproof sh- yeah. way of doing it. Right. That's my prediction. But Yeah. Well, it'll be, it comes down to they're relying on the talents of of a child. And that's what sparked Civil War the first time because um, that, um, the initiative. (laughs) Right. um, That whole thing came out of Speedball was unable to control his powers. So therefore all people must, all people with powers must be registered so that we can keep an eye on them and, and help to train them if they need training or at least I mean, we, we just saw relying on a child in attack on pleasant Hill where the yeah. cosmic, uh, cosmic cube in the form of a child that was the impetus beyond behind keeping everybody sort of in place. It's okay. Same thing, whatever. Yeah. So I guess for whatever reason they want to, they want to, examine this i don't know if it has to do with um the fact that they just dropped a movie called civil war um or totally what it is (laughs) that's all it is but also if you go back even to ultron ultron was supposed to be tony stark's response to 
How how do we stop things before things happen so that we don't have to worry that we're going to miss something because we're humans and we're fallible? Uh, yeah, it's uh, this kind of thing's been done r- repeatedly. Now, I like Bendis as a writer. Uh, hopefully, he's got some kind of different take on it. But if I can already start to, in my head, I think, see where things are going to go, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, look, uh, I will I will get involved to see superheroes punch each other. Yeah. I always will. And I'll recognize that this will ultimately go the way of the original Civil War and that we'll move past it and won't necessarily pretend it didn't happen. But whatever aftermath, we'll get past that. Unfortunately, with Civil War, it felt like three fucking years of you know, this to uh, Dark Reign to Secret Invasion. Uh, that's out of order, but... To f- uh, f- the fear itself and fear yeah. and so, fear my butt. And yeah, it's, I get this is a zero issue, but this means this is the second issue of this story that isn't an official issue, which means, yeah, there's just almost no action or plot movement. And look, for everybody who complains about Bendis writing scenes of nothing but dudes sitting around a table talking, hey, good news, uh, there are literally three scenes in this book of people sitting around tables fucking talking Yeah, in just 24 pages. Yeah. So, look, it's, it's not terrible. The, the things that need to be laid down are laid down. The Bendis dialogue is short on the banter that has always, to, for me, made the dudes sitting around a table talking scenes entertaining. Right. And more fun than they sound. But yeah, we need to start getting to the action quick. Yeah, we, we saw the couple action scenes that are apparently going to maybe take She Hulk and War Machine off the table in the free comic book day issue. But I'm kind of already getting bored. Let's get to the superheroes punching on each other. Yeah. We all know this is just so there is a book that says Civil War on the newsstands now that Civil War has come out. Right. Fine. This is a business. We've just spent an hour, something and a half talking about how comics are a business. Okay, let's get to the money shot so we can all move on with our lives. Right, right. So. I don't disagree with you. But then again, I've I just earlier in the show talked about how I have event fatigue. So it's taken them how few months to get to their next event after rebooting? Oh, I'm sorry, they don't reboot. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> No, Doc Samson just came back to life and cured his own madness <laughs> with what? Perkadan? Good babysitting? <laughs> Dr. Manhattan's patented wang juice. Ew! <laughs> Anything else or should we leave it on that note? I'm happy leaving it there. Okay. <laughs> just going to leave it right there. <laughs> All right. I don't know how you found this episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. I'm trying to do a little bit more with that, trying to ease back into it. Uh, but we always get messages uh, from there if you send them to us. It's facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. We are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at infinite midlife. Uh, is that right? That is right. Okay. Sometimes I fuck that up. No, you get it right. We are on uh, Tumblr. Is that where we're at? Yes. We're on Tumblr, crisis on infinite midlives.tumblr.com. You can find the show on iTunes, and if that is how you find your podcast, do us a favor, give us a review, give us a rating, it helps new people find the show. (laughs) You can find us on Google Play Podcasts, you can find us on TuneIn Radio, you can find us on Stitcher, Uh, you can find us on Drugs. What? (laughs) You're just waiting to see if I was still listening. I was kind of paying to see if you were paying attention. (laughs) We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. 
I miss anything? I think that's everybody. You can always email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Yeah. And I guess that is it. This has been a loud and ranty episode 114 <laughs> of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And derp. The Babysitter's Club starring Princess Amethyst <laughs> in Gemworld. <laughs> Babysitting. Dark side. The Babysitter Club starring Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're a thermodynamic miracle, dark side. <laughs> Christ, why can't that's you eat they... peanuts? <laughs> why can't you eat peanuts? <laughs>